The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. Our lesson this morning is really coming to the end of our sermon series. We started off way back in August, a sermon series that we called so um, fitfully, I think, and maybe even boringly. Uh, Genesis 12 through 25, but I don't think anyone would say that there's anything boring about these chapters. We, we're coming to the end of it. We have arrived at Genesis chapter 22, and this is just an iconic, um, climactic moment in, in Abraham's walk of faith, and we're going to read verses um, not 1 to 19, just 1 to 14 here this morning, and if you're at home listening on Zoom, um, oh, page open your Bibles there. If you're here in, in the church, we're going to be right there on page 10. So here we go. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son your only son, whom you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac. He himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went on together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, father. Yes, my son. Abraham replied. The fire and the wood are here, Isaac said. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood on it. He bound his son Isaac laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket, he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called that place, the Lord will provide. And to this day, it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. This is the word of the Lord. This story has captured 
the imagination of artists, the world around really has. For centuries, artists have tried to, to paint that moment right before the knife comes down. And I think a, the, 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 the prophet Moses invites them to do that because not only is he a narrator here, but he is also a cinematographer of sorts. The pace of the stories is so, it's so breathless. And then all of a sudden, everything slows down and, and zooms in. We see him grab the knife, lift it up high. All of it, the artists want to capture. I saw a Renaissance painter, an Italian by the name of Caravaggio. He tried to capture this moment, like so many have. As you look at Isaac's face, all you see is terror. He, he, looks, he looks like one of those dogs who have been cornered or like, or like one of those beef cattle that's about to, to have an end. He looks like a sacrificial animal who knows that it's about to happen, and that's really what's about to happen. And then, and then there's Abraham Caravaggio. He paints his face. You can see the rings around his eyes, so resolute, sadness. That's what I see, but also resolution that he's going to do it. The artists try to, to capture the moment. And the theologians, they try to make meaning out of it. The theologians and, and, the, and, the, and the philosophers have tried to understand it from, from Augustine to Luther to Soren Kierkegaard, all of them. They throw up their hands in the air and they say, what can it possibly mean? I suppose... I suppose we need to know this, that Isaac was Abraham's everything. Like, of the, all the things in the whole world that Abraham could not stand to lose, it would be his son, because his son was his everything. It was his future. And if his name says anything about the old couple, they called him laughter, then he was their laughter and he was their joy and he was their hope and he was their prayer. They had been on bended knee. They had called on God. They had schemed. And then God poured out the blessing. He was their everything. David Buttrick once told the story of a Jewish couple. It made it into a Broadway play. A Jewish couple who, who raised their boy and they poured into their boy everything. They scrimmed and they saved and they denied themselves everything so that he could have everything. They sent him to the best schools and so when the day came for them to drop him off at college, the mother whispered to the boy, we've got everything wrapped up in you, boy. We've got everything wrapped up in you. 
And that's Abraham here, see. He had everything wrapped up in Isaac. And God knew it. Oh, did he know it. He almost plays to his heart. It seems almost cruel because he says to him these words three times. He says, Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac, take your future, take your hope, take your prayer, and kill him. It must have seemed to Abraham that that he had entered into a nightmare. That he had entered into a kind of upside-down, topsy-turvy world where God was the devil and the devil was God and good was evil and evil was good and where right was wrong and where wrong was right. It must have seemed to him that God wasn't God anymore. God, I thought you wanted to give me good things. God, I, I, I thought you wanted to fulfill the promise. God, I, I thought that Isaac was the answer to prayer, and not, now you want me to kill him? God must seem in this moment to Abraham to be a monster. An absolute monster. Soren Kierkegaard, he, he reframes the story a little bit in a helpful way so that we can get into Abraham's thought. He tells a story when they get to the part where they're walking up the mountain, son and father. Abraham decides in this version of the story to say to the son, son, I'm going to kill you. And it's my idea. It's only my idea. And God has nothing to do with it. And then it, Isaac gets down on his knees and he, and, and he says, father, Father, don't do it. And Abraham says, it's my idea, son. I have to do it. And then Isaac gets down on his knees and he says, dear God, my father is crazy. Save me now. And Abraham, at the same time, he gets down on his knees. And this is how Soren Kierkegaard puts it. He says, Lord in heaven, I thank you. It is better after all that he believes me to be a monster than that he should lose faith in you. Abraham was protecting God so that he did not appear to be a monster because sometimes he appears to be a monster. Sometimes he puts a knife in the hand of the father and he says, kill him. And I wish I didn't have to tell you this. I wish I could protect you from this truth because we want to know naively, we want to believe naively that God not only is good, but that He appears to be good all the time. And we do know that God is good, but sometimes, sometimes He does not appear to be good. And He did not appear to be good. To Abraham, how could he? And he did not appear to be good to, be, to Job either. Job complained about God. He said, God has made me his target. His archers surround me. Without pity, he pierces my kidneys and spills 
my gall on the ground. He saw God lined up against him as he buried kid after kid after kid, and he put him in the cold, hard ground. God appeared to be a monster. Sometimes he appears that way. I'll never forget sitting with a couple who had prayed for a child. For years they had prayed for a child. They, she was pricked. She paid money. And then God gave the blessing of a pregnancy, not just a short one. Months. And then the child's heartbeat stopped. And they called me. And they said, Pastor, why? Who is this God? Who is this, this Deus absconditus? Who is this God who, who hides in the shadows, this God that we, we don't like to name? And yet, Abraham, who had pleaded for the lives of Sodom and Gomorrah, does not plead for the life of his son. He packs his bag. He, he saddles his donkey, and then he, he becomes a, a, a Paul Bunyan of sorts. Ominously so. Like he's, he's out back, and he's giving it to the wood. Like he, he's taking it out on the one place that he could, on the wood. And then he, he puts the wood on the donkey, and he goes with his two servants, Isaac, and it must have been the longest, most silent trip in the history of the world. And only Isaac breaks the silence on the way up the mountain in a scene that's so tender. And he says, Father, yes, my son, Abraham says. Father, we have everything that we need. We have, we have the wood, we have the fire. But where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, my son, God will provide. And then everything becomes silent again. They make the altar. They put the wood on there. Isaac allows himself to be bound, and it appears. It appears for the moment that nothing will stop it from happening. Abraham must have been thinking that whole time. How could God make me do it? And then his faith wins a great victory because he reasons in his heart that God must be good and that God has made a promise and that if I turn my son into ashes right now, that God will raise him back up like a phoenix. So he raises the knife. And he's about to plunge it down. And all of a sudden, a voice rings out and he says, Abraham, Abraham, not once but twice. And he says, stay your hand. Now I know that you fear God. And then he notices something, Abraham, that is. 
that he maybe could have noticed before. There's a ram with his horns caught in the thorns, a sacrifice. And Abraham sacrifices the lamb. And he says, God will provide. His faith had told him, God is good. And it won the victory. Of course, when Christians look at the story, they, they cannot help but see Jesus here. They can't. Because, because in the story of Jesus, we have, we have a father with a precious son. And what father, right? What father would, would sacrifice their son except our father? Because he's that good. That he would, he would pay the terrible price for terrible sinners, and that's what exactly what he did. He did not spare his only son for us, and there a love is revealed that is in no way cuddly, but it is every way real and redeeming and strong. God always provides. And sometimes just in the nick of time. And that's, that's the story. It's the end of the story. What are we supposed to make of this story? Uh, I, I, we could spend the, the rest of the day really plumbing its depths. I, I can't even confess to you that I have a full answer to the question, but at least I want to make a good start into it. Maybe you've heard the, the story of, of the, the philosophy student. And the student studies for the philosophy test day in and day out. And then he gets the test. And there's just one word and one question at the top. And it says, why? And the student thinks about all the things that he studied, and then after a while, he, he writes one word and gets up and leaves, and his professor looks at the test and says, because. We want to do better than that in answering the question, don't we? We want to do better than, than, the, than, the, than the parents who hear their kids complaining, well, why do I have to do it? And the parent says, because I said so. We want to we wanna go beyond that, don't we? Maybe to the wisdom of the eagle. The eagles, you see, they live in, 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 the, in the crags of the cliffs. And you can imagine when a tempest comes up, that they have two choices. They can be dashed against the rocks, or they can tilt into the, wind, into the wind with their wings at a certain angle until they're carried high, high above the storm. And you see, isn't that what, what Abraham did? The Scriptures call this a test. A test to see if his faith would be proven genuine, and Abraham tilted into the wings and he soared with his faith. When God, 
appeared to be a monster. He said in his heart that God is good. As one person put it, terribly good. St. Peter put it this way, in all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trouble. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Abraham was tested and he was refined and his faith was proven generous. He called God good, terribly good. Not that long ago, I told you a story about my friend. And if you didn't, weren't there that particular Sunday, my friend was on his, he's a pastor. He's on, a way, on the way to work. Somebody else was on the way to, uh, he was a juror in a trial. And he's going downtown Milwaukee, 80 miles an hour, blowing stoplight after stoplight after stoplight until he ran his car right into my friend and killed him. And his wife posted just hours after that. She just said, God is good. I don't know if I could have said that. But she did. God is good, terribly good, even when he appears to be a monster. And it can be that way sometimes. Debilitating depression. The loss of a child. A a physical injury that has no end point except in the resurrection of the dead. God, why? Your faith is put to the test. Will God provide? He always does in the nick of time. Caravaggio's painting, I think, helped me with this. If you look at it, the first thing that you're going to notice, like we said before, is Isaac's face. The terror that is there. And there you're going to be, next you're going to be drawn to, I, to Abraham's face. The, the resolution that is there. The sadness. The, the incredibility of the whole thing. But if you stare at it long enough, you'll see something hidden in the shadows. It took me forever to see it. God's provision. In the darkness... There's a ram. You see, sometimes when when God appears to be a monster, all the details of our life are, are highlighted. All the wrong that God seems to be doing. But if you look in the darkness, off to the side, what you'll see is God's own Son dying for our sins and rising again. And then you'll know that God is good, terribly good. Amen.